0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello there,
1: everybody, and welcome to the Target City podcast brought to you. By the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today, hopefully watching Australia pull an upset of all upsets, live in Technicolor with me is Mr Tyrell Marshall. Ty, how's it going?
0: Good, thank you Dan. Good, yeah, enjoying another World Cup surprise. Although mm-hmm. I think this is only just about qualifying as a surprise given Denmark's uh, performances so far. And in half an hour's time when we've done this podcast, we might have egg on our faces when Denmark have won
1: 3-1. Oh, you never know, you never know. I don't know, Denmark. I think they've been pretty rubbish in the time. Everyone's dark yeah. horses. Oh, well, BBC player is like a minute behind here, but they're on the ascendancy once again. They must be... I tell you what, they might score again here. Live commentary on the Talking City podcast? No, it's gone out. Yeah, you know, the World Cup it's... What's your thoughts been on it since last time we spoke? I still think a lot of the games have been pretty mediocre. There's been a lot of dull, drab football, but when you're getting stories like this, you know, as, as I speak here in the 63rd minute of both uh, final games in Group C, you've got Australia going through on the same number of points, they scored a great goal from uh, Leckett just a minute or so after Tunisia went ahead against France, it's a much-changed French side because um, they're already sailing through, but... Tunisia, if it weren't for Australia going ahead, could qualify themselves. So it's I don't think it's been a great one for quality, as maybe we kind of expected before the tournament. But for shocks and drama and tension in these last games at least, and a couple in the the group, was it group H or Group G, um, a couple of days ago, I feel like the tension's really ramping up now and it's it's a shame that these uh these group formats are probably going away after this World Cup.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing that the group format works perfect. Really, every every one of these final, what would be sixteen games in the last round of group matches, every single one had something riding on them. There wasn't a single a single dead rubber, which shows you how good this group format is. Really, there was there was two of the thirty two teams that that were out in Qatar and Canada. I think there was only three that had even that had already qualified in France, Portugal, and someone else who'd won two out of two. Can't remember off the top of my head brazil
1: maybe brazil yes good?
0: brazil brazil yeah so there was i mean there was three teams that were through two that were out the other 27 all had something to play for like i say every single game has something riding on it the format is perfect for this round of games and you do get that that great drama even iran usa last night going right to the right to the end and things can change at the last minute got these games on now where it's it's so topsy turvy, you know. Tunisia beating France at the moment. Probably thinking, "What, what a result that is!" And then it, it's not going to be enough for them as things stand. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great format, and it is a shame we're going to go to this nonsensical three group format and and all God knows what else in in twenty twenty six. But yeah, it's a good format. But like I said, I don't think it's been a vintage tournament so far. There's been some great mm. shocks and some great stories, but not um, not a whole load of great games. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely, but. You know, at least the drama, as we say, is is kind of um notching up a level as we go into these final games. What has there been? You know, what's been your favourite matches so far? Because I must say while the games haven't been great um for the most part the 10am to 9pm kind of format of it has been pretty pretty good you know rolling out of bed sticking the footy on all day during work um it's been it's you know it's been a relief uh, something completely different especially in these cold winter months and i must say the other day cameroon serbia the free free game was absolutely fantastic and on the yeah. same Portugal Ghana as well. Portugal just narrowly yeah. winning 3 2. Those are the sort of games you're really looking for. And wasn't there even a, a South Korea match as well when they they South that, Korea Ghana, it was. Yeah, that. that that's the one. That's the one. That was so dramatic. 3 um, 2, that one wasn't it? So dramatic. South Korea absolutely raging at the end because they couldn't get the corner, even yeah. though they took 12 beforehand, which had done absolutely nothing <laughs> of note with. That's the sort of like, I feel like once you get to. Even if the quality is not the best, the passion, the energy, the stories is what kinda takes it to another level. Takes it, just makes it special. International football, no matter despite all the uh, obviously downsides to this tournament.
0: Yeah, it, it does, and you know the World Cups are always interesting. It has been a, a and it, a, a, the format probably fits in with the time of year in a way with the four games a day. And, and like you say, the first game at ten am is is definitely enjoyable, especially for those of us working in the day, and especially in an industry like this where. You know, it's our job to be abreast of, of what's happening in football. So it's an excuse to watch it really. And the four games a day format for the first seven or eight games has been been brilliant. I wouldn't like it I mean it's changed anyway in four years, but I wouldn't like it long term. I quite like a bit more space between games to to kind of get into it and grow into it. You know, there's four games between every country's four days between every country's games in the group stages. It's normally at least five and you get a bit more space to to think about the last game and get excited about the next one. We've not really had that, but yeah that that format's worked well. I mean the 10 AM games were generally a letdown until Cameroon Serbia which for me is, was is the best game of the tournament so far I think. Um really entertaining game I thought for 20 minutes Serbia, Serbia looked like the best team in the world cup for 20 minutes and they've got a fantastic team. I think they they were my dark horses and they still they could still get through and for like I say for either side of half time in that game they just played some phenomenal football and and Cameroon made it easy for them but they did look brilliant and then kind of imploded. So that was that was a good game and that was a great day with um with South Korea's Ghana, South Korea Ghana being 3-2 straight afterwards. But yeah, there's not been, you know, you asked me there what what what's my best game in a tournament beyond those two. I mean, Germany Spain was technically pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, other than that, I can't think of a whole load of candidates that are that are springing to mind
1: really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it's been more the best games have been, you know, the dramatic ones. I feel like it's when teams are of a similar level, but still have good players. That's when you get the best games. Obviously, Germany and Spain are two teams, perhaps the most long, probably the best coached sides at the World mm-hmm. Cup. I'd say Spain, especially with the you know that Spain are probably the team that play the most distinctive style. I'd say the team that I saw. With, I've got probably the best manager um in the international game at the moment. I'd wager it's done so much in the club game. Luis Enrique. Some of their young midfielders in Gavi and Pedri, um, City's own Rodri, kind of as we touched on last week, kind of revolutionising things at, uh, as a false centre back. That's when you get the kind of the great technical games. I thought the yeah, I thought that match was amazing. Jamal Masala, um, taking the claim as one of the players of the tournament so far, um, absolutely excellent. Um, I think Bruno Fernandez is up there as well. He's been really good. Um, and then as you say, you get the scrap. I thought it wasn't well. It wasn't a great game. Australia's one 0 win over Tunisia the other day a great winner um, from uh, was it Mitchell Duke the most Australian surname name on planet earth <laughs> it's certainly taken a wicket or two in an Ashes series I'd wager <laughs> and then the, you say, the drama of it all the the tears the, I think Senegal Ecuador yesterday that was largely very dull but the tension of when Ecuador score and then Senegal come back straight afterwards it's just that's what you want and as long as there's drama which we're getting now at least it'll pick up a bit but in a, in a nice change of pace and a nice change of things, there was a severe lack of drama for England. A 3-0 win over Wales in what could have been quite a nervy um, affair. We saw how England um, did against Scotland in the Euros a year ago. That's I know, obviously, the, the atmosphere at Wembley was a lot more uh, raucous than it was in Qatar, but uh, I, you know a, nas- a national derby, an international derby, always calls for a potential banana skin. We've seen, uh, what, was it the World Cup in Ooh, what would it have been now? Twenty. When was we last in a group with them? With the Euros, twenty sixteen Euros. Twenty
0: sixteen Euros. It was. Yeah.
1: We seen. We seen how England only just got out of jail against Wales in that match. So it could have gone either way with Wales needing something. So I felt the way that England professionally, clinically, and quite smartly at times dispatched them with minimal fuss was quite impressive. A three 0 victory. Um, I thought we. would England have played pretty well in the first half, but all the goals had come in the second 45. Marcus Rashford, the star of the show, with two, but the middle goal was tapped on by Phil Foden. We'll start there, City's star boy. The clamour was reaching peak proportion ahead of the game. Southgate, I wouldn't say bowed to the pressure, but it certainly certainly satisfied the pressure and the, the criticisms. Uh, by playing him, and I thought Foden delivered. Apart, you know, apart from Rashford's goals, Foden was probably the best player on the pitch, alongside maybe Jude Bellingham once again as well.
0: Yeah, he, he was very good. Both of the the wide players were were good. Um, Foden's performance, you know, it was a funny when he produced some real moments of quality, but beyond that, was was far more peripheral than he is for City. Um, even in this, the second half, was memorable for that run which won the free kick for the goal. Beyond that, I didn't really feel like he was that involved in the game in, in the second half on the left. He didn't really do loads, I didn't think and, and England kind of took their foot off the gas after that 2-0 and, and they had it comfortable then. And the attacks were being focused down the right. Um, even once Rashford went off, you could see it was that that sort of left hand side channel of Wales they were looking to exploit. Callum Wilson nearly got in there a couple of times. Um but yeah, it was a, a very good performance from from, from Foden when it when he had the opportunity to shine, he did. You can see why everyone's desperate for him to start. I mean, he's you put him and Bellingham in the same team and you're thinking that's you know, that's that's world class. You would say that he hasn't he hasn't performed for England the way he does for City, but you know, it's often it's difficult for players like that who are so used to performing in a in a set system to then go and do it. And especially when they're so you know, they're so admired for for what they do for their club. It it can be hard sometimes to go and recreate that exactly for for England. But we know he is him and Bellingham are generational talents. We want them in the same team if if possible. But it is gonna be interesting to see what happens going forward now because it's you know, it's not as simple as I don't think the two wide players score and they stay in. We we kind of saw that after the Iran game where Sterling and Saka scored, then they got a game, didn't score, both dropped. Now Rashford and Foden have scored, will they both stay in? It's it's gonna be interesting to see what he does against Senegal. And mm. does it, as good as Foden did in that second half, it does still feel like we're kind of searching for his his best position in that England team. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch on Senegal. Um, it, um, you know, after we deal with the Wales game, but yeah, Foden. I I agree with you there. Like, I think there's been kind of this misconception about Foden's position this season. I think a lot of people, you know, understandably know he's a great player, but maybe do not see as much of him at City. And by far his best position this season, for he's been on that right wing, and that's when I do think. Um, he was the most involved against Wales in the first half. Now, gets getting a lot of credit and rightly so for swapping them at half time, and that's obviously where the goals came from. Great positioning from Foden to um, smash home his goal, and Rashford, of course, his third, uh, well, his second goal, England's third, came from his position on the right and cutting inside. So you can't blame get there. But Foden, I agree with you, he wasn't as involved in that second half, and as you say, that's maybe because England kind of took the Foot off the pedal, made loads of changes and conserved energy, which is the right thing to do. But in the first half, I thought he was England's, as you say, he's maybe not involved all the time, mm. but I think that's more to do with England don't play like City where City, yeah. everyone is involved all the time. Guardiola is constantly moving the ball about from left to right, forward, backwards. Everyone's involved pretty, all much, you know a lot of the time, whereas England are trying to do this passing game, it's obviously not as good or refined or um, as quick, it's, you know, it's a bit laborious. it can be at times, I, even though I do think, you know, we saw the worst side of it against the States when it was quite laborious. not a lot of invention, not a lot of movement and it didn't work, it was just Stones and Maguire passing to each other for the best part of 90 minutes, whereas I thought it worked a lot better against Wales because Foden was in there and crucially, as we moved on to, Kyle Walker making his return. I thought in the first half, Walker and Foden's link-up play, which, you know, when City had been at the best this season, has come with Foden on the right, with Walker behind him. That link-up play was really nice at times. I think there was a point in the first half where Foden, again, made a, a, like a jinking run in through that right side and some good passing with perhaps, uh, might have been yeah. Kane and Walker. Yeah. And like he, He's not involved all the time, but I feel like when he's got on the ball in that game for Wales, he always looked uh, against Wales. He always looked like to be doing something with it. He he was a bit more of a spark than England had against the United States, and that's not to say Saka can't do it. Of course, Saka was brilliant against Iran, but I'd, Sterling's ne- never let England down. He has obviously showed all the doubters was wrong uh, the last Euros, but against United States and against uh, Iran as well, I don't think his, his club form might be affecting him a little bit because he doesn't feel like he quite has that same magic about him at the moment than Foden does, who is, you know, maybe not playing his best football at the moment this season, um, at least since the United uh, City derby and um, the destruction, because City have gone down a bit as well. But Foden's certainly more informed than Foden, I'm sorry, than Sterling at, the, at present.
0: Yeah, definitely. I would think so. Foden's having a, you know, a very good season and I agree with you. He was, he was better on the right against, uh, against Wales. It was a pretty, you know, he, he, he had the, probably the, I think Rashford had the best chance, but he had a decent chance later in that half. He looked bright. He did, there was some good link-up play, and he—he's another that can play both wide positions. But he probably looked better on the right. And I think you can—you can switch them if you want to stretch the game. And we've seen England do that. I think Foden and Rashford came on on their Well, I guess their are natural they natural-footed wings against Iran. I think when they both came off the bench um, and both played, you know, Foden came on on the left and um, Rashford on the right, and and both looked. Well, Rashford took his goal and, and scored, didn't he? But yeah, it is um it is a tricky one. And Sterling, I mean, he he has been very good for England over the last twelve months, but you're right, his club form is pretty poor. He's not been um you know, he's not been influential for Chelsea at all. He did score against Iran, but you'd think of those four wingers, maybe five, if you even include Grealish there, he's probably the one that is vulnerable. And I do think that you just you want to get Foden in that team. And yeah, I think I'll be sticking with I think i would be thinking with Foden on the right and Rashford on the left going into to the next game mm. and having Saka as an option. And if you want to switch them at some point, you can. But, you know, it's great that you can have wingers that, that switch. But I still think, as well as Rashford did on the right, I still think they're better coming inside. And, and then you've got the option to every 10, 15, 20 minutes if it's not working or if you want to do something different to swap them over.
1: Yeah, I thought it was quite refreshing from Surfgate that he did make those changes in a game where England were pretty much through and pretty much had top spots, kind of sewn up. But, you know, it could have gone wrong. It could have backfired. There was stuff on the line. I'm, I'm surprised that he had it in him to make those changes, to refresh. And maybe the big part of that is, as he's said several times, you're going to have to use the squad due to the condensed nature of the tournament. There's a lot of games in a short amount of time you need to keep everyone fresh. I think he did that well, but I didn't think he'd have it in him to take Sterling out. He's been such a mainstay for him and Mount as well. Mount has been a brilliant player for Southgate. He's one of his favourites. So to take both of those out, I thought it really worked and shows that maybe he has learned a thing or two from from the the last year's Euros campaign. With any luck, um, we'll see that uh, with his management in games as well because I think the biggest criticism Southgate has had in the past is his management um, mid game, his substitutions, is his how he can affect a game. And you know, is swapping the forwards flanks isn't exactly a revolutionary idea or anything. It, I most teams just do it automatically throughout halves, but he did do it against Wales, and it did kind of make a significant difference. I, I know a lot of fans are kind of craving now, you know, not not satisfied with just craving for Foden into be into to be in the team. The craving is now for him to play centrally. I just don't see, you know, as Southgate himself has pointed out, he doesn't play there regularly for City. I think he's only started there once this season, and according to transfer market, he only played there six times um, last season. So it's, Pep hasn't. I think Pep said in the past that he hasn't got the the best ball retention. He's a bit of a bit of a risk in losing possession in those central positions, which is what you want because he's an exciting player who takes risks. You you are more of a. Um, a liability of losing the ball when you're doing that you don't want to lose that energy especially when he's you know, so young and without fear and has so much natural attacking talent so I just don't see a world, especially when we're going into this knockout stages now and potentially you know, not to overlook Senegal, potentially tough opposition on the horizon I just don't see a world in which he can play Foden in that central position unless maybe Phillips comes in from the start but then you just get complaints about Bellingham not playing who's been excellent in two of the three games
0: yeah, I don't think there's any chance we see Foden in in a central position to be honest. And I think Southgate's right that he doesn't he doesn't play that role for City and when he does City a a City dominate every game they play. England don't. It's you know, it's just the reality of it. The role would be different. Um and there's you know, there's always a clamour to get more attacking players in the team, get Foden into midfield and play Bellingham and Rice. I mean that would be an absolute disaster in the knockout stages. It's it's just it's naivety really to want a midfield like that. And Southgate's right, you know, Southgate gets a lot of incredibly unfair criticism given his his record now. But he is a he is a really good tournament manager at getting through games. And to be fair to him, I think he, I think he's quite good at making changes from game to game. It felt like the Euros last year. He did kind of, you know, Foden started the first two and then came out. I think Saka came in and played pretty well, and then I think Saka came out for a game and does feel like he's willing to change game to game based on the opposition, just maybe not fast enough to, to sort of alternate in-game. Um, but the, you know, the other thing about tournaments is he's, he's right as well, that they're they're one on clean sheets. It's clean sheets that get you through games, that get you through tournaments. And it's very often that the team with the most clean sheets will win the tournament. And part of that is they've, they've played an extra game than, than a lot of other teams. But I think I saw a stat the other day that of the last 24 knockout games played by World Cup winners, which is... Well, six the last six tournaments maybe Um, 17 clean sheets in there so it is defensive solidity that gets you through tournaments which is why he's not suddenly going to throw caution to the wind and play Foden in midfield and and just go gung-ho I think we're going to still see this 4-3-3 with Bellingham and Rice and one of Mount or Henderson which does kind of leave Foden Grealish um, Saka Sterling and Rashford all, all competing for two places but what a mm-hmm. great position to be in as well with that strength and depth and players to bring off the bench too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember a time when we were clamouring for a left winger or any sort of attacking talent, you know, the dark days of Stuart Downing being in the squad and (laughs) he being the the great bastion of hope. It's quite a far cry from those days. But, you know, I say England have yet to concede, oh, sorry, they've conceded two goals, haven't they, of course, um, against Iran, but two clean sheets on the spin now. They're also the two at the highest goal scorer in the tournament at the moment. Obviously, England have played a few more games then. Uh, well, one more game, then Spain, who are right behind them on eight, and obviously Brazil and Portugal and Cameroon and the like. Um, but So I have such a solid foundation and still have the goals coming through. That's you know that's best of both worlds at the minute. And a big part of those clean sheets is the really, once again, great centre-back partnership between Stones and Maguire. Now, I'm not sure if he'll stick. It'd be very interesting to see when we get if 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 wood, you get to those really tough opposition. If he goes back to a back three or he sticks with what's been serving, serving well, so well so far, I think Walker, as we'll touch on, being back certainly helps him in that regard. But Stones and Maguire have been brilliant so far and I thought that against the United States and here against Wales, maybe they didn't have a lot to deal with, but everything that came their way, they just dealt with um, really well and both of them on the ball have been excellent and been a real driving force for England. It's good to see Stones... You know, he hasn't had much opportunity at centre-back this season. He's been playing right back a lot. Um, but he's really putting in another great display for England.
0: Yeah, they're, they're a really good partnership for England there. I don't think it's any secret that they're very close friends. They go back a, a long, long way. Two Yorkshire lads, um, very good relationship. And I know they got they got Pelters, so I think Maguire might have got Pelters anyway for, for hugging stones after the, um, the derby at... Old Trafford a couple of years ago, when I think Stones had scored, hadn't he? And um, and Maguire gave him a little hug afterwards, and uh, and got criticism for it. You so couldn't possibly be friends with uh, with any rival players. Just can't. It can't happen. Um, but you know they know each other's games inside out and played together for so long that they probably even played for the counties at, at times. And I know they've both said how far back their relationship goes, and they've been great. They've been fantastic in tournaments for Southgate as you say, it it might be that, especially if we end up playing France or someone like that in the quarterfinals, that a third centre back comes in, but they've both been really good. Their quality on the ball for England is, is excellent. You know, there's not many teams in this tournament playing a high press. There's not many teams in international football playing a high press. So they do get time to to pick passes. And when they get time, they're both, they're both very good. And Stones has been, has been excellent. It is, it is a good relationship. Maguire has been really good as well. It's, um, you know, his ability to perform for england in major tournaments compared to what he produces at united is is incredible really he was England's best center back at euro 2020 um he's you know he's, he's probably outshone stones again this tournament although both of them have been very good um and yet he's a you know he's a figure of fun at united it's it's very strange and i think there's clearly an element that the the style at united doesn't suit him he's not a he's not a halfway line defender he's a defender penalty box defender and and that suits him with england but it is a um, a good a good partnership to have. Like you said, it's been two clean sheets. The two conceded to Iran didn't matter. The one, you know, the one I think was Maguire's fault. Uh, Maguire's fault when Serrami ran off him against Iran, but he was, you know, he, he was one well, of a sheet when he came off just after that, and had been calling to go off due to feeling sick. So um, you could kind of see that in the way he played. But yeah, they they are a very good partnership, and that relationship they have from from all that time together shows on the pitch.
1: Yeah, and it was very nice for Maguire to give us one aspect of his uh, United calamity when he went through and <laughs> yeah. just absolutely welded the ball. <laughs> like I've never seen such absolute Sunday league guests, but he just absolutely yeah. hammered it out for a throw-in eventually. Um, You know, more good news for City, as I say. Kyle Walker making his return to action after a lengthy spell on the sidelines at this point. um, He he underwent groin surgery just in October, I believe. So, to come back so quickly and play well in his return was great to see. He played uh, just under an hour, I believe, before he came off in the first round of substitutions. And Calvin Phillips coming in, he, he obviously returned just before the break and, had a few uh cameo started against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, didn't it? I believe, and I uh, in a few more off the bench. So it's nice to see him back in action. A nice ball for Rashford for that third goal as well. Um, th- them two being um, you know, getting minutes under the belt is obviously great for England going uh, deeper into the tournament. As I mentioned, um, I think if we do get past Senegal and there's a potential horrible game on the horizon, the quarterfinals, we may see that back for a return. And if it does, it'll likely, I'd imagine, it'd be Walker on the right of that. Because he's done so well there for England in the past alongside Maguire and Stones but even though it's good for England it's also great news for City we've had no uh, no injuries yet as I believe on the on the city front during the tournament and to see them two back in action and looking pretty good is certainly a good sign for Guardiola but, you know as the football as we know kind of comes back thick and fast soon as the tournament finishes
0: yeah, it's worked out quite well, especially with Phillips getting um, getting a decent chunk of minutes last night. He, he clearly needs that, having had just four substitute appearances for City in his career uh, career so far at the Etihad. So yeah, it, it is it has worked out quite well. It's far better I think that they're both in the squad and training during this period and getting some minutes than, than being left out and having that couple of weeks off and having to kind of build up fitness again. There's, you know, there is there is an issue for clubs in, in how you kind of reintegrate players. You don't quite know what their training has been the intensity of international football is clearly nowhere near the intensity of the Premier League so it's it's a big thing to jump straight back into on the 28th as it is for City in the in the Premier League but for players like Phillips and Walker who are just back from injury who needed minutes you know it's, it's ideal because they'll probably return to City a lot fitter than they were and a lot sharper than they were when they left so it has worked out pretty well I think Phillips's role is probably going to remain coming off the bench at the moment but think that will that will certainly do him good. Walker might get another game as uh, as a right sided centre back, maybe, or and, and might get minutes as a right back behind Trippier. But I think for um, yeah for City their their situation is probably working out pretty well, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and fingers crossed it continues in that vein. Um, Shall we give a uh, a word for our beleaguered neighbours, Wales? They uh, their first World Cup in since 1958 has ended in you uh, know not the best way. They were obviously destroyed three 0 by England and. You know, lost to Iran previously. Had their one moment, and Gareth Bale's late equalised against the United States. But on the whole, it's been a mighty disappointment from Wales. And I think I, I, I know. I said before, before England, when I seen the starting lineups, to see that they had three players in Bale, Aaron Ramsey, and uh, uh, Joe Allen, who were all recently recovering from injuries, not fit to be cut. You know, you can understand them playing Bale, a player who can provide the magic and a moment, match-winning moments out of nowhere. You can carry one player most who isn't capable of running at his full pelt. But to have three in the team, um, and before before Allen in the previous games, Wayne Hennessy had hardly played has hardly had a minute in Nottingham Forest this season. You can carry one player, but you can't carry two or three, um, who are not just fit and it really it really backfired for the Welsh. Yeah, it did. It, it looked obvious from the first game, to be honest,
0: even against uh, against the USA as well as did did second half, it it looked pretty clear that they couldn't continue with Bale and Ramsey in the same team and I know that's their um you know I know that's kind of how they're what their success has been built on but at some point you've just got to you've got to move on for it from it and this wasn't the same Bale and even worse it definitely wasn't the same Ramsey I mean Ramsey I know Bale only lasted 45 minutes the other night or um on what night was it Tuesday night Monday night but um you know but the form of um the former Ramsay and, and Ramsay's contribution in central midfield has been completely non-existent. He just looks so far off the pace, so unfit. And I'm amazed he's lasted as long as he has in a lot of the games. Because like you say, they've been carrying two players in, in key positions, especially central midfield, and they've allowed themselves to be dominated in every game, really, because of that central midfield area. And you know, there's there's a I know quite a lot of Welsh fans with with being from a border town in uh, in Shrewsbury and they're, you know, they, they will all say that their success was in in getting to the World Cup, which is is true, but once you're there, you have got to do yourselves justice. And it just felt like they didn't they didn't do themselves justice in any game. They got a lucky point against the USA and they were awful in the two games after that. They barely they barely threw a punch at England last night in a must-win mm-hmm. game. Um so it was it was a really poor performance, and it did feel like kind of the end of the end of this era when they've been to three major tournaments. Uh, you know, it's, it's a shame for it to end like that for Bale because his, his commitment to Wales and the Welsh courts has been absolutely phenomenal. Really, mm-hmm. what a, what a leader for them, and just the, that that desire to turn up and be a leader in a camp where they hadn't qualified for so long. The Wales have had some good players before, but none who ever went to those levels to to kind of be the man to build a team around and to always be there and, and to lead them in that way. So, you know, he deserved a better ending than that, but. It was pretty obvious that it wasn't it wasn't the same Bale in that team. It definitely wasn't the same Ramsey, and, and it, there was just too many players who, who weren't on it that they were carrying, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and I know they haven't got a great strength in depth. Their other midfield options play for the likes of Swindon and uh, Dundee United. Um, they haven't got a lot of depth there, but you know, surely somebody who can actually run about a bit is better than yeah. a talented player who can't. You know, Bale said that this isn't it for him. He'll he'll be playing for Wales again, maybe as another. Um, you know the next Euros in his sights. But it just felt a bit like it was sentimental from Rob Page, wasn't it? He? he trusted, or maybe he felt like he had no other option but to play his best players, but it just struck as, you know, you deserve this, you've earned this, you can have it regardless, even if it does end up costing us. As you say, I don't think, you know, getting there is a, a massive achievement, especially the way they did it. And I don't think being eliminated and not making it through to the knockout stages is a failure in itself. But to just leave no impression to really have stunk the place out um for the three games, you know say one goal, a penalty, not really looking close to scoring any other any other time. I think that's the you could be happy you've got there, and I'm sure the the overriding memory will be hopefully that bail penalty and that great moment. But it must leave a sour taste in the mouth. So just to just to go out with a bit of a whimper, not really put up much of a fight, especially, you know, against England. There was a I think the only time they came alive was again after Foden's um, after Fordham's goal, when it was two 0 they had like a little space, um, a little moment of play where Maguire headed it, and Pickford had to make a really good save actually to readjust. And I think Dan James had a shot just before that. That was the only really little spell, and the game had gone by that point. So yeah, to go out so so meekly, I think is going to be quite disappointing for him.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like you know, they didn't they didn't do enough. They didn't impress enough. They didn't leave any mark on the tournament. Really, it was a. You know, this one was a complete non event for them apart from that bail penalty. And, you know, like you mentioned before, I think, I don't think Rob Page had much choice but to play bail. He is, you know, he is the talisman for that team. It's it's clear what he brings. And even on one leg, you kind of want that that threat there and that, even as much for the other team as for yourself, for Ran in the USA facing bail we'll would be aware what he can bring and, and what he can do. So you want him there. But I think Ramsey was, including Ramsey and sticking with Ramsey, was, was probably a mistake because he made no impact on the midfield. And mm-hmm. in a lot of these games where, you know, the a lot of these games are being played in midfield. Basically, you need to win that battle, and too often Wales lost it because they were they were carrying passengers in there. Basically,
1: yeah, absolutely. But moving on, as we say, England have got a last sixteen date next Sunday with Senegal. They got through um, by the skin of the teeth by beating Ecuador. Um, I think they've done really well, Senegal, to qualify without Mane. That must be such a psychological blow ahead of the tournament to lose. You know, your talisman, your best player, by some distance. But I must say, I, I haven't been. Very impressed with them at all. I think as Asmalasar has had moments. He he dispatched a penalty against Ecuador really well. Um, he's the other kind of good attacking player they've got in there. But uh, apart from that, I must say I've I've not really been impressed with them. And not to sound all mighty English and whatnot and to overlook opponents, but I think kind uh, of speaking kind of analytically, England should be dispatching them with you know. Quite comfort not to not to jinx everything. Touching all the wood around there. but it, you know they, they should they should be beating Senegal, shouldn't
0: they? Yeah, they should, and they will clearly be, be favourites for it. Um, you know, Senegal defensively have looked a little vulnerable. Edouard Mendy's carried his, his ropey Chelsea form into the tournament at times, but they are a they are a threat going forward. A less of a threat without Sadio Mane, thankfully. If if he was playing, you would definitely be fearing the worst. But without him, they're they're not the same team. But you know, they are still the, the champions of Africa. There's they're still probably Africa's best team even without Marnie. So I still think it's it's gonna be a real test. They've got players like Ismail Asari who can really hurt teams. They were pretty poor against um against Holland, but they've done all right since then. So um so yeah, I think it's gonna be um it, it's gonna be a test, but it should be one well that England are winning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we look forward to watching that and talking about it next week on the Talking City podcast. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening. I'm going to try and get out of this outro without hopefully anything happening in Denmark, Australia and distracting us because there was Matt Ryan nearly did a massive blunder there. and. He got away with it, you got away with it, come on the Aussies, but as I say, thank you everyone for listening to the Talk is City podcast you can follow all um, our Manchester City news um, during, during the World Cup break over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City, you can get all our articles straight to your news feed over on Twitter at Man City MEN and you can get them on Facebook feed as well with our Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City page, you can follow Tyrone on Twitter at uh, Ty Marshall underscore MEN there you go and you can get me on Twitter as well at Dan Murphy MEN but once again everyone thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week hopefully talking about another brilliant England win and if not well maybe we won't be doing a podcast because it might be too embarrassing. but either way we'll certainly see you soon but until then goodbye for now until...